Hello and welcome to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 133. Uh, we've got a good lineup this uh, this week for you. We've got some new video game news from Black Friday. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about Doctor Strange, and then we're going to move into one of our bigger topics, which is the discussion of the link between EVE Online and Dust514 and how that can translate over to the Project Nova that CCP is currently working on. So, um, Without much further ado, let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I play some video games. Um, I play a lot of Blizzard games, specifically, and uh, that's about it. All right, and Bait? Hey, everybody, what's up? I'm Bait. Um, I write papers and play Eve and eat sandwiches. All right, and we have a new guest who is actually Zell's brother. So do you want to introduce yourself, man? Uh, hey, I'm uh, Soraya's brother. Um, go by a couple different things uh, right now. You can just refer to me as the Nighthawk, whatever. I play mostly what he does, mostly Blizzard games, you know, like movies, whatnot. All right, fantastic. And uh, Livy is currently running a little late. She told us to get started without her, so she might hop in later if her computer starts working. She got hit with uh, updates. <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've seen how that has thrown me off before as well. So she might be joining us in a little bit, and we'll, we'll have her, her pop in when she does show up. But Microsoft decides looks, whether or not you get, you get to be on the show. She is actually on a Mac, so, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I feel yeah. like Microsoft I, gets a little bit undue... Hardship, but there I am giving it, I suppose. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm trying to get it to upgrade, but we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, anyway, so uh, moving on to the first topic, uh, we, we mentioned this in Black Friday deals kind of currently running um, off and on. So, I mean, there's, there's tons of them out there, definitely worth looking at. But some of the ones I noticed uh, that were kind of big because we've discussed them on the show is currently Overwatch is actually on sale for a pretty sizable discount. The Origins Edition, which is the normally $60 edition, is actually on sale for uh, looks like $35 um, on Amazon and other retailers. So you can get that for either the PC, the PS4, or the Xbox version for $35, bucks, which is pretty good. Um, actually, the, the, the big deal um, that I should bring up, because I'm not sure how long it'll hold. It's, it's still holding this weekend, and I, I assume it'll still be up for Cyber Monday. Um, but I don't know if it'll it'll be at all through the week. Is uh, I actually I I took the big dive and I bought an HTC Vive um, because they're a hundred dollars off, and then you get uh, if you buy it through the Microsoft Store at MicrosoftStore.com, they'll give you a hundred dollar Microsoft Store gift card um, as well. So it's if you can spend that much money at Microsoft. It's kind of like having 200 bucks off, which is about the cheapest you're going to get a vibe for. For a while, yeah. And I mean, it's you can easily spend 100 bucks in games, so it's not like you're you're going to be wasting that a gift card for anything else. I mean, it's, it, it is a pretty solid deal if, if you're willing to drop that money for, for the you know the, the top-end uh, VR headset. Hey, is the vibe the one that requires like a football field to set up, or is that the <laughs> Oculus? Um, well, um, <laughs> it, you can do non-room scale games, first of all, so you can just use okay. it the same oh, way okay. you'd use an Oculus Rift. Okay. Um, but it does have all the room scale sensors, and a lot of the games are designed to have this room scale space. Um, but I looked it up, the minimum space is six feet by six feet. Um, and oh. as it turns out, I'm not going to have room right like where I normally sit. But I, but my computer is close enough to the kitchen that I think the cable should be long enough for me to use my kitchen as my VR space. Put in your front yard. I don't have a front yard. I, I don't have a front yard. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Alrighty. So yeah, that's, that's a pretty good, pretty solid deal going on for the the Vive. Um, another one that's coming up is the uh, Skyrim uh, Special Edition, which is kind of that that remake that they did for PS4 and Xbox. They also released on. 
PC. Uh, that is also currently on sale. It looks like you can get it for $25 for the Xbox, the PS4 version. And I know that Steam had the PC version for $30. I know a lot of people who own Skyrim in the past got the special edition for free on PC if you, you had all the DLC and stuff like that. But if you have not picked it up on PC and you want to get the, the special edition version, which kind of has the enhanced graphics and, and all that, um, that's 30 bucks and then 25 for the console. So that's also a pretty solid deal if you've been looking to pick that one up. And that has all the DLC, right? The special edition, the special or, whatever. edition or whatever. Yes, it has all the DLC okay. for, for okay. Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually probably worth mentioning that I know we talked about this in the past that uh, the mod support that they kind of built in for um, Xbox and PS4, and it works fine for Xbox, um, for both uh, the Skyrim Special Edition and for the PlayStation 4, they will have mod support. It's just, it's going to be pretty limited in that you cannot import any um, additional files. So you can't bring in you know, new 3D models, new textures, new sounds, anything like that. You have to use only the in-game assets, which is you know, unfortunate, but I guess at the very least that you will have you know, some mods for, for Fallout 4 or for the Skyrim Special Edition if you are on PS4. Uh, if you're on Xbox or PC, you obviously have the full range. Um, those are unlimited. So just want to kind of throw that back out there in case anyone missed it or if we missed uh, mentioning it or clarifying that that is available and uh, is, is out right now. Um, why is moving that, along? Why is, no, hmm? sorry. Roku, why is why is that the thing? Like, uh, has there any been has there been any reasoning given as to why uh, PS4 players can't um, load in new models? Um, it's been a little shaky. I think that the official answer is that if they allow players to add content, then the players are considered developers, and therefore they kind of fall under a different sort of legal description. Um, I I think it's more of Sony potentially being paranoid that they don't want people cracking their system like they have with the PS3. Um, That's that's my personal opinion. Well, I mean, code is the more risky thing for cracking the game. I I think a lot of it may be IP-related, too. You can't do, you know, you can't have Thomas the Tank Engine on your PS4 um, in in Fallout, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that, that is probably a valid concern, that if it's considered, if you're considered a developer legally, and now you're adding potentially copyrighted material, and it's considered supported by the game company because you know they have allowed you to add these mods, um, it, it, you could run into some issues. But it's it is a little strange that uh, Microsoft doesn't seem to have an issue with, it, but Sony does. Well, from what I understand, you can, you also cannot do that um, in uh, on the Xbox. Um, you can't have a third party, and you can't put Thomas the Tank Engine in your Xbox Skyrim game, Skyrim um, game, or Fallout or whatever. Well, okay, yeah, that that's I, I believe that. I think that the, the the matter is that they have to moderate that. Whereas, with yeah, oh, yeah, no, they, the yeah, Sony yeah. version, they don't have to actually watch because they go, you can't add anything, so we're safe. Um, and that could just yeah. be a choice of the, the the part of the company. You know, I come to think of it, I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm not sure. You know how much moderation Sony would have to do because I know on the Xbox for Fallout Four, um, you actually get the mods from uh, from Bethesda themselves. Um, so they, I assume, they would do the moderation because um, you have to sign up for a, for like a Bethesda um, account before you can do anything with the mods. But it, it it's a little weird. Yeah, that's. The, I'm not sure on that one. I'm not sure what their their vetting process is. I I imagine it would be. I mean, I, I guess they have to do some preliminary look because they can't. They may not want you to, you know, put pornographic stuff in there if it's going to be the official supporting sure. mods. But sure. you know, I I'm not sure exactly what the the vetting process is the best to go through, and that we'll have to get back on that one and kind of do some yeah. more research. 
Well, I'm sure Sony has their reasonings, and whatever those reasonings may be, they're perfectly valid. So it's just so yeah. It's it, it is frustrating, you know, from a, the perspective of a PS4 player, though, that, you know, <laughs> you kind of get promised this, and then they're like, ah, well, actually, Sony said no, um, but we'll give you kind of this really modified version of what we said. I mean, that's, that's of course, not Bethesda's fault at all, but it is it is frustrating because you do see a lot of these really awesome mods, and you kind of have this glimmer of hope, like, wow, wow, we'll actually get to, you know, do all this cool stuff, and then it, it kind of falls flat. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do without bringing in, you know, new assets, but it, it does oh, yeah. still severely limit the library that you can actually access. Which and, is a shame. and some of them will ev- probably eventually work, but need to be modified. So there may be cases where someone just did their own asset because it was simpler or slightly better or something like that. But now that, you know, if they want to make it PS4 compatible, they, it may be a mod that they can make it use existing assets, but they may have to tweak it, you know, so... Um, check the comments before you decide a mod should work for the PS4. Yeah, and I mean, you could even see Bethesda potentially taking a direction where, you know, if if a particular asset is really requested, like a certain sound file or a certain model that, you know, a lot of, a lot of mods want to use, they could actually add that to the game and then it would probably fall under you know, the, the limitations that the, the Sony has placed on. So they would be able to actually say, okay, well, you all put this particular, you know, gun or whatever. We, we've actually added it to the game. It's not part of the, you know, vanilla experience of the game, but if you want to use it, it's actually part of the base file and therefore you have the right to access it for your mods. That's a good workaround. I like that. Yeah. I I mean, it's, 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 you know, they don't even have to necessarily do the work. I mean, if the community produces the model or, or the sound file, they just have to go, okay, does this meet our standards of you know quality? Okay, cool, put it in there. Um, and then that kind of lets lets people have a little more flexibility, not not quite the, the free form that you're, you're going to get on like a PC model, but at the very least, it, it does kind of circumvent some of those limitations that Sony has placed on it. Um, so yeah, moving along. So Final Fantasy 15 comes out in two days, um, but they are writing some last minute pre-order deals. So if you pre-order the game, um, through Amazon is the one I checked, but if you pre-order through Amazon, you get 20% off if you're an Amazon Prime member for the standard and deluxe edition. And if you're someone who does not have Amazon Prime, you get 15% off for standard and deluxe. So you can save a couple bucks um, at the last minute if you are interested in the game and then have not you know, pre-ordered it or purchased it through like Square Enix Store or something like that. So if you want to try to get on that and save yourself a few dollars, that's definitely worth your time to check out over on Amazon.com. So some big news came out this week in the last couple of days, and I, I think this this one particular detail is is pretty pretty recent. I think it came out today that the Hello Games has finally really uh, finally broken their silence regarding uh, No Man's Sky. I mean, they had that bit of a debacle with Twitter and hacking and stuff like that, but for the most part, they've basically been pretty much silent since the release of the game and all the drama surrounding it. So. Um, what's important is that they are finally releasing a 1.1 patch and they've done some, some bug fix patches, you know, 1.09, stuff like that. But this is like the first content patch and is actually out right now. Um, so if you own, if you own doubt, own No Man's Sky, um, you can actually go download this update right now, but they're calling it the foundation package. And it's basically, um, as they put, it's, it's setting up kind of a, base building sort of uh, system that kind of seems reminiscent of a uh, fallout forest, you know, settlement system, but it's, it's kind of introducing that um, as well as some other aspects and uh, kind of setting the stage for further updates. So, I mean, uh, the really big stuff is they're adding three game modes. There's normal creative and survival. Normal mode is kind of your vanilla no man's sky experience, which means lots of flying around, and not much to do. Um, there's creative mode, which is I guess you can explore that limitations. So it's basically you aren't going to be hindered by you know 
uh, starship fuel and stuff like that, you can pretty much just freely move around and and basically work on kind of that uh, base building and that resource gathering, uh, kind of similar to creative mode in Minecraft or other survival games where you you know you have they remove those limitations and just let you freely build using the tools in game. So that's that's pretty cool. And then there's survival mode, which is where they've taken kind of these survival elements of you know fuel and hazards and in you know. Uh, enemies and stuff like that and kind of ramped it up so it's, it's more of a hardcore challenging sort of game mode so those are the three game modes um they're adding the base building you can start farming to gather resources you can either hire you can even hire npcs to gather the resources for you um so there's again kind of a lot of threads along other kind of survival type games but uh you know, that's kind of what you can expect. Uh, they're adding the ability to set up camps, which are basically save points. Uh, they said you're going to use this a lot in survival mode. So, again, you're probably going to die a lot, but, it, you know, you can kind of set up and not totally get screwed if you die. You can, you know, make, okay, I'm build a little mini base here, and that's where I can go back to if I have to. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, there's freighters, and freighters are customizable, and you can customize the interiors of them, and they're useful for moving around resources, so you can send resources for, for trade, or you can send it back to your home base for, you know, to build up your base and stuff like that, so that's kind of neat. Bunch of new, new UI updates, uh, new resources being added, a couple of graphical updates like motion blur and anti-aliasing, so, you know, overall a, a pretty solid package. And I mean, it, a lot of the stuff that I saw was like, okay, this is what I would have liked to see when we were a year ago. And I kept asking, okay, so what do you actually do um, instead of explore your 18 quintillion planets? Um, but th th this is the kind of stuff where it gives people kind of uh, a framework to actually kind of build a narrative. And, and obviously, you know, Settlement building, like in, in Fallout 4, was, was very successful. People really like that. Um, and you see that in other games. And I think that, for the most part, this will probably be, for those of you who are still actually playing No Man's Sky, probably a pretty interesting update. Um, if, if you're into that sort of thing, it might give you a little more of a purpose rather than just aimlessly flying around and, and gathering resources. So, you know, this is a pretty big deal. And, and like I said, they were silent for a really, really long time uh, after all of the, the fiasco and the, and the drama surrounding the game. Um, and then they said a couple days ago, hey, we're, we're announcing this, you know, foundation package or foundation update. And uh, it's it's going to be patch notes in a couple of days. The patch notes came out, and then they're like, okay, yep, it's out. You're good to go. So, I mean, they, they really kept it pretty close to the chest, I think, and they were focusing really on, on development rather than, than making a big PR stunt about it, which is kind of the opposite of what they did the first time around. So, uh, for the most part, I think it was a pretty responsible way to handle it, even though they probably could have been a little more vocal um, surrounding the drama, kind of like, hey, guys, we're actually working on something, but we want to you know, make sure we have it done before we start announcing what it is. Uh, which would have been nice, but for the most part, I think it's good that they they definitely did not overpromise and, and focused on releasing a, a a decent package of content before you know talking about it, which I think is which is a good thing. Um, but what do you guys think? I mean, you think this is going to help revitalize the game, or you think it's is dead in the water? Do you think that this sort of thing is going to be enough to kind of keep people going, or or what are your thoughts? Well, the hype is dead. The hype okay. is definitely dead. I think that. Thank God. Yeah, I think that they have at this point. I really don't think that they'll be able to salvage what the, the damage that's already been done to both the name and the IP, uh, or not the IP, but the um, the studio, right? So every time that Hello Games will announce a, a new game or put a game out, everybody will look back and say, oh, hope it doesn't turn into another No Man's Sky or whatever. And, um, you know, despite their, despite their attempts now to try and spark everybody's interest it's only going to last for a few days and then it'll be you know 
it'll be dead in the water again, um, I think. Um, there's only so long that you can keep um, people interested in building settlements on planets or whatever. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I don't, think it'll, I don't think it'll do much for the game. It is nice, though, to see that they are, you know, putting these things in the game that should have already been in. Um, oh, yeah. But, totally. it, it, but yeah, I, it may be a step in the right direction. Only time will tell to see what they do with, you know, 1.2 or 2.0 or whatever. No, I think I agree. I agree with Bait in that, you know, the internet has about the attention span of a goldfish. And uh -huh. seeing as they've already released the game and they've waited so long before being vocal about any of their changes, there's no way that they can salvage anything from this. Yeah, I mean, it, it hit the the record low rating on, on Steam for, for ratings. I mean, granted that the, the game is sparse, but it, it was you know fairly well constructed. I think that the rating is probably more to more due to the drama than anything else. But you know, public opinion is is in the toilet for this one. I mean, they they may have a small player base that limps on. Um, hopefully, they can recoup their costs. But you know, I'm. I'm I'm not sold on if they can actually fix it. I think what they're doing is good, but the damage that was done, especially, like I said, uh, they were way too quiet while all this was going down, and I think that, that that really, really hurt them. And I think that it's good that they played it close to the chest and didn't overpromise as they were trying to fix it and implement you know, these features, but at the same time, they should have at least been talking about it rather than just kind of this you know, eerie silence. People are thinking, like, is that it? Like, are we done? <laughs> you know, is, is, is that how you're going to leave the game and just abandon it? Um, and I, I think that, that that really made it worse um, for them overall, for their, their kind of their PR uh, level. But hey, we're all used to it, right? Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> 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 caught on my, my undertones there. It was <laughs> It's like, it's good to be responsible, not overpromise, but if you yeah. stay silent, you're yeah. just going to piss everybody mm -hmm. off. Um, the most important yeah. question, though, is Pokey. How many planets did they add to this? Uh, yeah, in this Eighteen update? fucking. I, I don't think there's any new planets. Actually, I think that they decided they have enough. Um, so they decided to work on something else for once. It, uh, I'm kind of yeah. curious to see if, because you know, they say that you can claim your planet and build your base on it. I guess not, though, since there's no multiplayer. I, I would be curious to see if people can see, you know, because. Other people can see uh, right now, you know, if so, like who claimed the planet, right? Like that's a thing, isn't like, it? That's yeah. A thing, isn't yeah. It? Okay. I mean, you, you can at least okay. see who claimed it, but you just can't see other people. I would be curious to see if they put in some kind of if they had put in some kind of thing that says, um, okay, this many people have bases here, so there are like twelve bases on this planet, or whatever. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole multiplayer aspect is is really sour in people's mouths because I mean that was that was kind of the the big thing, right? That you know you could actually meet people, and I think that that really pissed people off. And yep. I mean, aside from the the yep. lack of features, I think that the the lack of connectivity um, after it was promised as such, or at least you know <laughs> the very least heavily into that, hey, it could actually happen. Um, that's that's pretty nasty. I, I think that they might try to avoid you know playing up the connectivity much at all i think it'll probably stay like you know okay it's a single player experience and we're just going to not talk about all of that mess that you went through <laughs> i mean I, I honestly think that in terms of the whole multiplayer they were thinking there is statistically no way that two people will ever realize that they can't meet you meet each other and then that shit happens in the first like 48 hours of the game and i think collectively the studio just shit their pants like Oh fuck! Well, <laughs> like, that's like, one of those things. That's one of 
people need to stop assuming that the chances are so low it won't happen as a as a decision making tool because it will freaking happen. Yep. Things you think Things won't happen will, law, always happen will always happen. Murphy's law is absolute. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> the I chance is extremely low. Yeah, I can't fathom how many times I remember like World of Warcraft devs making a decision because we're like, we don't think this will become a problem. Yes, it will. Yes, it bloody will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, I'm times and dusted. We, the devs go, oh, well, there's no chance the players are going to find that glitch and maybe cause the <laughs> planetary conquest system to be stuck in an infinite isk loop, which destroys the economy and, you know, the entire game. I mean, what are the chances of that happening? Like four days later, like, yeah, no, we, we figured it out and the whole thing's fucked and you guys should fix it. And they're like, no, 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 there's there's no problem. You didn't find the problem. We, we swear. I'm like, okay. You know the story, but like like Zell said, if there's a very small chance some player somewhere is going to find it, that's just the way this shit goes. You know, there's there's always going to be issues, and you know, it's just a matter of, of doing due diligence and making sure that your boat holds water, because you know, even a small leak can cause a lot of problems later down the line. The whole thing is really sad. I mean, it, I, I I've said the entire time that it, it's a great idea for a game. Uh, in, in my opinion, but just the, the execution was bad. Really bad. Well, yeah, I mean, if, really if they had stuff like base building, like, from the start, I'd buy that. Like, yeah, that, that, no, that no, would no, be no, cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I like that. Like, the whole, like, I'm exploring to gather stuff to build my little empire on my hunk of rock. Like, that's that's cool. You know, that that's the actual purpose in, in a narrative that you can provide people with. But, you know, just empty space even if you fill it with lots of you know math generated stuff is, is not interesting and I, I think they'll probably eventually if they can keep the funding up to they'll finally make the game they promised you know maybe not all the features but kind of the, along the lines of what the, they're talking about with you know trading and you know, routes of like, supply and stuff like that I, I think they'll probably get there eventually it's just whatever shit went down internally you know it just it wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I really do hope, I mean, and I've talked about this in the past, you know, people can throw, can, can throw shade all they want in terms of, you know, over promise, under promise, under, under deliver and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the guys in the studio are probably doing the best they can in dealing with a lot of shit. I mean, anyone who's worked in an office knows the kind of shit that happens. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't like to, to, to take too much of a shit on, on their work because I think it's, you know, it's, they really are trying their best and they, they probably do want to deliver a really solid game in, in, in due time. It's just, you know, working within the limitations that they probably had, have been stuck with. So, you know, best of luck to the guys at Hello Games. I mean, seriously, I, I think that they've got a lot of passion for what they're doing um, and just shit did not work out and their, their marketing got out of control. And I think that, you know, hopefully they can eventually deliver on their promise and, and kind of make the game they wanted to make in the first place. So, you know, best of luck to them out there. One last thing. And then I think we can stop beating the dead horse. Um, the dead mm-hmm. horse. These freighters that, that they're talking about for the player, do those appear in space? Um, are there NPC freighters or is it just player on freighters? Do we know? You know, that's, Do we know? That, that wasn't really clear in the patch notes. And I, okay. I again, I have not played the game in depth, so I, I couldn't tell you, or I certainly haven't tried the patch. So I'm not sure. But I, I from what I gathered, it's it's they're out there, and I think you can obtain them maybe through purchase. I'm not sure. But, gotcha. you know, it's gotcha. a lot to see. So moving along, uh, Zell and his brother have been trying some, some interesting games <laughs> that I don't know much about, so I'm going to let them talk about it. But... Uh, you want to tell us about Gang Beasts, Golf with Your Friends, and Who's Your Daddy? Yeah, so um, 
Yeah, my brother's been staying here um, for the last couple weeks, and so I've gotten to encounter the games that he plays with his friends. Um, and uh, they're they're really dumb. They're really stupid games, but they're on Steam, and uh, I tried them, and they're actually somehow fun. I don't get why. Um, but uh, yeah, so my my favorite so far is uh, Gang Beasts, which sounds terrible as a name. Um, the game looks terrible, um, but it is actually from. Um, a studio called Double Fine, which I believe is the Psychonauts people. And, uh, okay. and the best way I can think of to describe this is it's a fighting game where everyone in it is uncoordinated and drunk. Um, it's a fantastic party game. Um, like when you like if you stand there and look at your character like punch, you see like his arm like kind of like loosely fling in the direction that you're facing. It doesn't look like a motivated punch. You know, and it's just got like, it's got like a kick and a lift and, um, you play on like, they actually have like a moving truck stage and they have like a billboard, uh, like stage and some crates that are in the air and, um, you know, various, uh, an incinerator, some grinder things, just, you know, maps where it, you just try to, you know, knock people off, the, off the stage or into this, you know, into one of these death traps, um, and it, it just looks so dumb, and it, it doesn't usually feel like it's doing what you want it to, and it, it makes it absolutely hilarious to play. It's really fun to play. Um, you, you've got you've to do it with controllers, so we've got, uh, we've got our Xbox 360 controller adapters and a crud ton of Xbox 360 controllers here. None of us have Xbox 360s, but we have lots of controllers. Um and uh, you, you just kind of you, you do it. There's no it's not split screen. It's all it's all visible on one screen. And then the camera just kind of moves to accommodate everybody. Yeah, I think the best way of describing it is uh, it's like a cat fight, but the cats are on morphine. Um, there's um, really there's nothing really happening. Not- like, you know, people are kind of flailing at each other. Someone falls off a stage, likely on accident. And the whole thing is just fun to laugh at. And sure, it's probably overpriced. It's definitely overpriced. Um, it's hard to believe that people pay any money for it, I say, as I put all the money forward for it. But um, yeah, I I think it's a, it's a well-made game, strictly made to be dumb and have horribly slippery controls and look like it was someone's you know last-minute final project for a game design course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just some of the images I found were, were absolutely ridiculous looking. Lots of hats and falling into fire and people just kind of smashing themselves into walls. Uh, this is available on Steam for how much? Um, It's 20 bucks normally. Uh, yeah, it's a little little pricey for what it is, I think. But um, as I said, it, it it is more fun than it looks. It it plays better than it looks. Like, it, it, it the controls are poor but it's intentional and that's how it works and that's why it's fun so it's not like the controls are bad because the game you know the game developer didn't know they were doing the controls are kind of poor because that's what makes it entertaining um it's on sale for like 13 bucks right now during the steam autumn sale yeah i looked it up around 13.50 and that ends um that sale ends on the 29th at noon but obviously they'll have a winter sale coming up in like a month yeah, and then that's when all of us go to kill our wallets. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably a little higher than I'd probably go for. But I mean, it, it looks it looks hilarious and, and probably something that would be fun if you were also drunk and trying to control as 
you simply put cats on morphine. So, um, you know, that, that looks pretty cool. Anything else on that before we go to the next one? I'd say just if you have the chance, please play it. It's worth we'll, it. We'll, we'll have to do it. A, maybe we can convince me to, to get one. We'll do a, a biomass play. I don't think we can do it online, though. I don't think we can do it online, though. It's not an online game, unfortunately. Wow, that's really weird. I, it's like it's like a straight like party game. Like if you have a bunch of people over here, like we had uh, we had Trent's friend and then Trent and myself, and then we also had a time where I had another friend of mine and my brother, and we did that. Um, and we actually always had to gang up on my brother because he's way better at it than we are. Um, May have put like five hours in that game. So what I had to do was uh, I had to team up with whoever else was not my brother and, uh, you know, get my brother knocked off the stage. And then we could have a little slap fight until one of us won. Um, um, <laughs> and believe it or not, my brother still won most of the time with that in, in even being ganged up on. He's he's pretty good at it. Um, but and I think it supports up to eight players, but you might need two Xbox adapters to do it. Okay, well that's that's pretty cool. I mean, that's it's a it's a shame that it's it's not online because I, I would actually probably enjoy getting wasted and then trying to kill Zell by throwing his Play-Doh body. It looks like into the fire, but uh, I play as me and, me I, and I play with the little chicken costume, um, and and the purple. I I do a purple chicken, so I call it an epic chicken. Um, that's that's who I play as when I'm playing. Uh, I I will note that uh, I believe. Or I think it's still in development alpha beta, something like that. So by the time the official game releases, if that is true, then you know it might then have online play. Yeah, it's it's a uh, Steam early access. Gotcha. Okay, well, that's good to know that it's not you know a final product. It's very good that it's not a final product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't tend to buy into a lot of the early access things anymore. But uh, you know, if it comes highly recommended, I'll sometimes hop on it. So we'll we'll take a look at it and I'll make my decision if it's if it's worth it. I might I might drag my brother into it and we'll we'll have to have a <laughs> a Plato person fight because this it looks absolutely ridiculous, but it, it could be fun. All right, so on to the next one. Do you want to tell us a bit about golf with your friends? Is is that the right title? That that is. Um, so golf with your friends is um, l- like very literally like a, a multiplayer little mini golf thing with with your your windmills and and spinners and and ramps and stuff like that. Yeah, there's really nothing special to it. Um, the whole reason I found it was a buddy of mine got really mad at playing Overwatch with me, and we found a cheap five dollar game to play, um, and it turned out to be about the most serene experience i've had for quite some time because it's got just a great soundtrack and you're playing mini golf and believe it or not the community is amazing the community and golf with your friends is about the best community i've found online so all that combined really just makes for a great five dollar game yeah i mean it looks it reminds me a bit of some of the the, the games i played when i was younger with the, the mini golf courses is it uh can you make your own courses or do they add new courses do you buy courses or is it just kind of a, a standalone this is what you've got sort of deal uh there's three different 18 hole courses um you know so there's not a lot to go off of but you know it's fun every time just because you know you, you go through the whole thing there's one guy that's failing you kind of rip on him a little bit and that's pretty much the whole game well, that's, that's pretty fair. I mean, I, mini golf is kind of a—it's a joke in my family that I, my, my you know my aspiration in life is to own a mini golf course because I, I actually I love mini golf. So, you know, it, it's it's 
pretty fun to to get good you know mini golf games that you can actually you know do at home and, and don't have to actually go out and and uh, you know in the scary outside world. But uh, is this uh, is this online or is it only local as well? Uh, this is an online game. Uh, you can create and host rooms of uh, I believe up to eight players and. Yeah, um, I don't think they're even as local for uh, Golf for the Frogs. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, for five bucks. It, it looks pretty good. I mean, it looks like it's pretty well made. Uh, you know, again, if you like mini golf, probably worth checking out. And you know, you can't beat the price tags. So that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, anything to avoid going outside, I believe, would be worth it. So Golf for the Frogs is quite <laughs> quite the purchase. Well, and, and you know, you can't really go to the the middle of the Egyptian desert to to do mini golf typically. So I mean, it's got some some cool locales, looks like, and. Uh, that should be pretty fun. Anything else on that before we go on to the the next one, which I'm kind of scared to look at? I don't think there's much else to say about golf with your friends now. All right, so tell us about who's your daddy, because I'm very confused and scared by what I'm looking at. That's actually the reason I found it. Um, the, who's your daddy is a very simple game between a father and a suicidal baby. And so you have uh, the two characters, and... Uh, you have the uh, one person playing as a baby, the other person playing as the father. And the baby continually tries to kill itself, whether it is drinking bleach, putting forks in electrical outlets, or baking itself in an oven. And the father is trying to do everything he can to keep the baby from dying. If you successfully die, the baby wins. And if the uh, or if time goes out, which is a pretty long timer, I believe, then the uh, father wins. And you just alternate back and forth who plays what character until one of you just hates uh, your decisions and everything that brought you to playing that game. Okay, yeah, so I had it right. <laughs> I was, I was kind of hoping I was wrong, but... <laughs> I mean, uh, on the Twitch stream here, we've got, you know, a a blackened baby smoking with a fork in its hand next to an electrical outlet. Um, Yeah, no, that's that's something else. Yeah, I found a closet and I I drank like bleach and stuff because I was the baby. And then um, as he was trying to find the uh, antidote for that, um, I found my way back upstairs, found uh, like an air vent I could get in, ended up outside. He couldn't find me. So um, I died. And hence i won <laughs> yeah it's a very disturbing yeah. game but somehow fun to play uh, yeah <laughs> my it's only five dollars to what i saw is, is that right that is correct yes correct, yeah, yeah. My, my my brother is, is insisting over in the corner here that we absolutely must get this and try to kill ourselves <laughs> it's it's uh yeah it's it's very strange yeah, um, <clears throat> I know this question is going to come up. It does have both online and they recently added local play. So you can play with your friends, whether it's at a party, which for whatever reason wants to play this game, or online for whatever reason you want to play this game. Right, yeah. I, this is the one that I wouldn't I wouldn't want other people to actually know that I'm playing. <laughs> it might raise some questions on why there's this very strangely shaped baby trying to kill itself on my computer, but uh, you know, we'll... <laughs> But I have to keep this one close to the chest on, on what's going on. Uh, but yeah, anything else on who's your daddy before we move on? No, that's it. But, okay, yeah, thank God. All right, so I went and saw Doctor Strange the other day, and I know that Zell saw it a couple days ago, or at least last week. Um, and so we're going to talk about it a bit. Probably not too heavy on spoilers, but if you know, if, if you don't want any spoilers at all, um, you should probably just kind of mute the audio for a while, and, and we'll you know when the the video changes, well, you'll know we've moved along. So, um, overall, Zalmi, what were your general thoughts on on the movie? Um, I I enjoyed it. It was you know 
there there were definitely some of the same um, traits that you see in in Iron Man. Um, it wasn't quite as much of a a plot clone as uh, Ant Man was, um, but uh, it, it definitely you know went off the, some of the same sort of tropes with the, you know your your kind of arrogant egotistical you know rich dude and his his problems in life and how he has to figure out how to deal with them to become a superhero. Yeah, I mean, I felt it was it was pretty average. I mean, it was it was good. It was pretty average for for a Marvel film. I mean, I, I didn't think it was like knocking out of the park amazing, but it was it was still an enjoyable an enjoyable thing to see. I, I didn't feel like it got ripped off at the box office. So, you know, pretty solid. I, I thought that the you know the casting was good. Benedict Cumberbatch did a really good job. He he really does look like Doctor Strange. So they did a good job in casting like that. Um, I had to laugh because he, you know, he's obviously English doing an American accent and he's an arrogant doctor and he, he really does sound like house in the way that he kind of forces that American accent. So I kind of had to laugh on that parallel there, but yeah, I mean, overall it was, it was pretty solid that the visual team obviously had a lot of fun with that one. I mean, I can see what you said. Um, we talked about before that if they were ever confused on how to represent magic in a scene, just grab a kaleidoscope because the whole movie is basically things just folding onto itself and, and all kinds of stuff. So it was, you know, very visually appealing. Um, the story was, was pretty solid. I mean, like I said, a pretty average origin story. Um, you know, it was good action, good visuals. Music was, you know, on par. It, like I said, nothing extraordinary, but it was, it was worth the watch, I think. Yeah, I mostly liked it because of the visuals, and uh, I tend to like the more mythical side of Marvel as opposed to the rich dude who makes whatever type of suit. Um, but I think one thing kind of against it was, sure, the origin story was you know great and fun and whatnot, but after the origin story where it kind of goes off and why he continues to do what he does didn't really seem like much. It kind of just felt like it was a bit selfish to me. And overall, I don't think it captured his character as well as I thought it would have. Yeah, I'll admit that the the, the ending, the, like the latter latter bit, was it felt a little awkward. Um, I, I don't know how to describe it. It felt a little strange and a little awkward that it it didn't quite fit the pacing. I think of the rest of the film in terms of you know the plot and the character development. So you know, I, I will admit that there was there was some flaw there for sure. What uh, what was the trailer at the end for? Uh, you mean what it was hinting at? Uh, yeah. Thor three. First of all, yeah, first of all, it was there. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, th- I thought that was a pretty clear indication that uh, Doctor Strange will be involved in uh, Thor three, and then um, of course the the other one was indicating who the the villain for the uh, the next Doctor Strange movie would probably be. Um, but obviously, we don't need to discuss that in detail on the show. Yeah, no, I mean that's that that is you know pretty hardcore spoiler there. So, but uh, yeah, and they drop a reference to. Um, Infinity Stones. So I mean, there is that tie-in with with kind of the greater Marvel universe there. So you know, it, it's you can tell they're they're making the usual motions to, to link things and, and not committing to anything too concrete. But at least you kind of get that feel that you know, hey, it's it is part of the same universe and it's you know, it, it, it's it will work well. You won't feel completely caught off guard when they say, oh yeah, by the way, this character's in this movie. So. You know, I think for the most part it'll be it'll be pretty good to see this one moving forward. I, again, I like the casting, so you know it was it was fun. I, I would recommend it to people if you like Marvel origin films, it's definitely worth your time to go check it out. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't, in my personal opinion, I don't think it was it was anything extraordinary, but it was certainly you know well crafted and quality material, so uh, definitely worth your time. Anything else on that before we move along to uh, kind of our big topic of the night? 
So this is one that's kind of been bouncing around on the dust forums, and um, I'm going to preface this with that I've been a little terrified to touch it because it might piss a lot of people off. Um, so I'm going to kind of keep the discussion a little more uh, self-contained. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but basically we're going to discuss the aspects of the Dust 514 and EVE Online link that you had in the game, and understanding that that link will not exist in Project Nova, at least initially, um, and certainly not in the same capacity. So this discussion is not about should it have a link or not, because I think that that's, for the most part, a fairly well-recognized and accepted answer that people would prefer to have kind of an EVE link, because that is obviously kind of the cornerstone of what people liked about Dust 514. Instead, this discussion is going to be more about Knowing the limitation that there is not going to be an Eve link in Nova on launch, and we we can talk about later time, you know, with economic links and stuff like that. But for right now, knowing that it is not going to be in the game at launch, what elements or aspects of the link that you saw between Eve and Dust did you like, and how can those be adapted or replicated in a way that is self-contained in Nova? So. You know, uh, again, I, I don't want to get too much into should it have a link or not, and I don't want to look too far into the future. But I kind of want to discuss, you know, so obviously in in Dust 514, you had, in my opinion, kind of three major linking points. You had faction warfare, in which the events of a Dust fact war battle would alter system control in Eve Online. So that was a Dust Eve interaction. You also had POS bonuses for planetary conquest. So if a corporation held um, districts on a PC planet, depending on how many districts they held, the POSs in orbit would receive a bonus. And again, that is a Dust 514 to EVE interaction. And the only really interaction you saw from EVE Online to Dust was the orbital mechanic, of course, which was kind of a, a cornerstone. I mean, that was that was a big thing that Dust players, or so that EVE players could drop orbitals for Dust players um, under certain conditions, and that would kind of allow them to influence the Dust battles. So those are kind of our three primary practical applications of, of an EVE link, and obviously those those directly cannot be applied because you. You, the, again, there is no Eve link. That is the assumption we're making because that's what the devs have said. Um, I'm going to keep the speculation out of it, but that's that's the reality of it, is that there's not an Eve link in that capacity. So what elements of, I'm going to kind of go around the room with this, but what elements of the link, may that be practical or in concept, did you guys like? And then we'll kind of talk about how that might work in, in Nova. So I'm going to start at the top of the list with Zell. And then kind of give me your opinion on, on what parts of that Eve link were important to you, may it be the practical application or the concept of it. So so what are your thoughts, man? Well, I mean, I, I thought I, the the whole thing with the the uh, orbital mechanic in Molden Heath didn't work at all. It was it was useless. It, it, the, the biggest problem being that it, it there was no mutual incentive for it at all. Um what I thought worked really well was the the factional warfare stuff. That was there were actually Eve players who were excited about doing fact war for um, for Dust because there was a a clear metric of benefit to them for participating. So when you you say that, it, what part of that did you like though? I mean, obviously that I, I will agree that that part worked. And I think the orbitals were underutilized because of the limitations they faced. But for the, for the fact war, what made that appealing to you? Was it the fact that 
I don't, I don't want this to sound like a loaded question, but was it the fact that you were influencing EVE Online or the fact that you were influencing another battle somewhere else? Like, what part of it was important to you? Well, I, I mean, like, so to me it was exciting to see events actually being gathered up, that there was a communal coordination, you know, and, and because of some of the randomness factors, it, there was only so much you could coordinate, but there was actual interest in making things happen there, you know, on both sides. There was there were pilots actually talking about, hey, how do we, you know, get the dust people connected to this? Okay, that's fair. Um, what about you, Bay? What are your what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I didn't like the the orbital mechanic. I thought it was silly. Um, but I I did like the factional warfare mechanic. Um, I didn't like how much it influenced Eve, um, which was practically, I mean, it, it, it didn't. <laughs> um, that I didn't like. The idea is cool, but I don't think Nova needs an Eve mechanic or an Eve link. I don't understand what everybody's obsession with, oh, well, if it's not going to have an Eve link, then don't give a fuck about the game. Of course you give a fuck about the game, even if it doesn't have an Eve link. Uh, all these people are like, I'm going to play the game if it doesn't have it. Yeah, they'll play it and they're full of shit. Um, um, <laughs> the, 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 they are, and mark my words. Um, these same people, they're saying, I'm going to play the game with the, 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 the link. They're, they're going to be playing it, no doubt. Um, but, you know, moving on. Um, it, it, yeah, no, the, the, the game doesn't need um, If it were to have a link, I think that they should at least keep it in the factional warfare mechanic. Um, I think that was really solid, um, but maybe change the way that it influences um, factional warfare in Eve. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I mean, in kind of in line with like what Zell was saying, is I think that it may not necessarily be the. I mean, in part, it was the cool factor that hey, you know, we we are influencing a different game, and I think that, that is important to people, and you know, that that's the reality is that that's that's not going to happen. So. And I think he brought up a good point is that the coordination and ultimately the meta is what we usually call it. It was, was kind of what made it interesting. And that, that's what brought intrigue to the game. Well, that brought the fight beyond the, the, the moment to moment gunplay. That was actually, you know, how are we going to coordinate? How are we going to organize? And, and that was actually what was important. And I think that really what this comes down to, and I think that, you know, and this is, again, my opinion, but I think what the Eve Link really meant to a lot of people, aside from the cool factor, I mean, that that's something you can't get away from. I mean, influencing a different video, a different game is cool. But I think the underlying reason was more so that what Eve Online represents to people is persistency. That is kind of their, their, their governing um, element is that the universe is persistent. What you do affects what happens later. And I think that's what people really like. And Dust, for the most part, aside from Planetary Conquest, didn't have a real sense of persistency in the gameplay. It didn't feel like what I do now is going to affect something else, except when you looked at, like, Fact Warfare, for example. What happened in Fact Warfare in Dust had basically zero effect on what happened the next time. Even if you captured a system and the sides flipped from attack to defense, the game mode didn't even change, really. You might start on a different side of the map, but the, the game mode didn't change. But what people liked is that my win here is persistent in EVE Online, and then that link provides that level of persistency. And I think that's a very, very valid thing to like. I think that is actually probably one of the core pillars of what makes... EVE Online good and what people really wanted Dust to have is that level of persistency. So, that being said, I feel like 
if you took away that eve link in fact war we'll use that as an example because i think that was actually probably the best the best implementation of the eve link was fact war if you took away that link what really matters to players deep down i think is that my battle here is going to affect what happens later on even if it's self-contained within nova i, I think that, that that is really the critical part and i think that that's what dust lacked in that it used eve to supplement and i think that that's actually really what the important part is is that you know I may win the battle here, and it changes system control just like it did it did in Eve, and then that obviously changed how the battles would play out in Eve Online. But you could make that last part. How does the next battle play out? You can have that self-contained within the game, and I think that that's actually you know really critical in, in terms of, of giving that people what they what they really look for in a new Eden experience is that level of persistency. We've talked about this before, you know, what makes a game new Eden. I think that that definitely is an element that we all kind of agreed is really important. And so I think that if you give people that kind of experience that may be in a vacuum within the game, yeah, it loses the cool factor. And, and I think that that is a real shame, but it the practical factor is still there. And I think that that's actually really what's important. Now, if you look at the orbital mechanic, which is also a good example of EVE Online affecting Dust, albeit usually in a small matter, and it had lots of issues with mechanics and in having it line up right, and, and honestly a, a pretty good example of why I think one-to-one gameplay doesn't work, because the, the time scales and the type of gameplay don't, don't fit, but that's a different conversation. But regardless, if you look at the idea of how can EVE Online affect Dust, now if you say we remove that... Um, and take, a, and take away the cool factor again, because we, we, we don't have the cool factor of one game affecting the other. But I think what people liked about that was more so, not necessarily that someone in EVE Online is shooting at my, my enemies in dust. It was that there's a battle up in space going on, and the offense of what happens up there allow me to have an advantage or a disadvantage down on the ground. That is, in of itself the cool factor that is the expanded universe that not only is you know the effects of this battle persistent even in instantaneous moments what i am doing or what someone else is doing is affecting my battle and it may not be in a significant way i think orbitals for the most part didn't make a significant difference in battles i think people did them again because they were cool but i it still was part of that larger universe scale that battles outside my own little map actually matter um, right now, even in a one-to-one scale. Um, and I think that that's kind of the core of what was really important to people. So one thing I've kind of, I've kind of bounced around people on, on the Discord channel and on Skype is I think you could still have one-to-one battles affecting each other. You could still have, you know, uh, in the example I used is instead of an EVE ship up in orbit, what if you had an orbital satellite and that satellite had cannons on it? So let's say you got two teams inside the satellite and they are fighting over the objectives. The objectives are controls for those cannons. So whichever side has control of those, those nodes can control those cannons. And th- those cannons are capable of launching orbital strikes. And now consider that there's a separate battle on the planet below. Standard dust-style battle, you got teams fighting over you know, all sorts of things on the ground, you know, but effectively that's kind of the main battle. But let's say you've got one corporation who has 16 guys on the ground and 16 guys in the satellite. And then you've got the other corporation who's got 16 guys on the ground and 16 guys in the satellite, but they're running in two separate battles. I mean, they are completely dis- disjointed from each other. The, the satellite people cannot directly interact. They can't shoot the people on the ground, that sort of thing. But the people in that satellite, if they capture those, those nodes, they capture those cannons, 
that corporation then has access to orbital strikes. And it would work exactly the same way as it would in EVE. You have one battle up in space, and the events of whoever's winning that battle allow the team on the ground to have an advantage. That's effectively the same thing in, in a practical sense, is that you've got one battle affecting another. It may not be in a different game per se, but it's a different battle. And I think that also offers kind of the same sense of it's an expanded universe. I have a battle that is persistent, and what happens in a different fight, what happens with the other part of my team on a different area, on a satellite, on a different planet, whatever, it can have an effect on what I'm doing right now, and maybe vice versa. You could have it be two-way. I mean, there's lots of ways you could do it. And I think that that is also really kind of important, is that the sense of an expanded universe, that what I am doing matters in a sense of right now and in a sense of, you know, one day from now, one year from now, one, you know, that that's what's important. I think that the Eve link offered that sense of persistency and connectivity because it was a different type of setting. You have Eve ships in space, they're on a different map per se, and you have dust players on the ground in a different type of map. I think you can still have that though. I don't think you necessarily have to have two games to pull that off. And I think it would be almost nearly as cool and still practically identical. And I think that that's kind of the direction I would really like to see them take it because it offers those sort of benefits that the Eve Link offered, but it's all self-contained. It's all within the scope of what they're willing to do. And I think that that's really what people need to be calling for rather than, you know, I don't want to say complaining because I think that having a proper Eve Link would be really cool. I would absolutely love to see an economic link. I think that is the way you almost have to do it because I don't think one-to-one gameplay works. I think that that's great that people want that, but I think that the really important part is not let's complain about not a lack of Eve link. It should be let's talk about what is important to us that the Eve link offered and how can we make that work in Nova. And I think that that's really what the conversation needs to be um, because that's that's what's going to give them what they ultimately really want, even if it's not exactly the same thing. And Bates right. They can say, oh, I'm not going to play the game. I have no interest. Yes, you are. Y- yes, you are. You're sitting you at your computer saying, no, I'm not. You're going to play the game. You're going to try it. And if the game is good, you'll probably play it and bitch about the lack of an evil link, but you're still going to like it if it has the things that make yep. Yep. You know, what's important to you. I think that's, that is what's really critical. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm monologuing here. But I mean, what, what are your guys' thoughts on, on all of that? Well, I actually hadn't heard um, what you said about the, the satellite thing. And, um, and it, it got me thinking, well, okay, if an Eve link was the most important fucking thing in the entire game, right? What if you made it to where the ship's in Eve, right? So, so currently, um, or as it was in Dust... You had you had dust fact war and then you had e fact war. To be able to get an orbital in uh, in dust fact war, right? You had to have control of the node uh, for your your planet or your system or whatever um, in e fact war, right? And then you know you capture the node and then three minutes later, boom, boom, orb. Cool. What if you had that satellite idea, right, Pokey, where you had where you had uh, the two teams in the satellite and then the two teams on the ground, but then you you gave it um, you, you gave the satellite some kind of clunk out, right? So let's say 150, right? Per side in the satellite, if there were no Eve players present in the um, in the in the room where the button was, basically, because you you warp you would warp into where the bubble is, <clears throat> so. Your clone count would increase for you know either side depending on 
how many and possibly even what kind of ships were in the bubble defending or attacking the point. So if you had if you had um, like a frigate and a destroyer or whatever, that would increase the the clone count um, for your particular side um, by say a hundred, right? Um, and I think that you know, and then if if say a squad of of the opposing um, team warped in and blew up the the ships that were attacking, um, or vice versa, of course. Then obviously the the one team would lose the um, the reinforcement clones, I guess, if you will, and then the other team would gain some. If that's if an Eve leak is that important, then I think that something like that, obviously with some tweaking, um, would be a way to go, right? Instead of instead of making it completely reliant on on Eve players to to drop orbitals uh, for Dustlord, I think that's really where it went wrong. Was leaving orbitals up to or and and leaving really the entire link um, up to Eve players. Well, especially if you don't have, and this is why I bring the economic link into into you know, into the the, the 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 front line. I mean, it's people did it in eve because it was cool but they really had very little to gain from doing it fact war was probably the exception because you could get some good lp from doing, from doing you, got yeah, you, you, you could actually yeah like it was that that is an example of doing it right because you actually got something from doing it but eve orbitals it was such a pain in the ass for pc to do it like yeah you could do it but it was like what do I gain from it? Like, yeah, okay, I help my buddies on the ground cap the the district, but now I've got to put a pause up to get any benefit from it. Like, it just mm-hmm. it didn't hold together. And I think that if you don't, the economy holds Eve together. Like, I mean, the, the meta is important, but money and the flow of resources is really what makes the gameplay you know work. And if you don't have a purpose to do something other than it's cool, it doesn't hold together very well. And I think that that's that's really critical is that it actually has to have a reason to do it. And I think that's a lot easier to pull off if it's not one to one. Like the real time stuff is just really difficult to work with. I mean, especially with you know the way timers worked in PC. You knew exactly when the e pods were going to be there, like within like a thirty minute window. It just it didn't suit the gameplay of Eve very well um, to try to line up with Dust. And I, yeah, I mean you can try to shoehorn some some mechanics in like that 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 might work. But at that point, it's like, are you just forcing it for the sake of having it because of the cool factor? And now you are, you know, you've got clunky mechanics that don't really work that well. I, my whole point is, if you can't do it well, don't do it at all. And I just worry that we'll end up with you know kind of a half-assed you know, barely functioning and not really meaningful Eve Link like we had with Dust, where it was just like, if you really boil it down to to what actually happened and how it actually felt like, yeah, there's, there's of course, the epic stories that have, like, you know, I zoomed in and we took out the fleet and that orbital saved the battle. Yeah, that can happen, you know, but it, it was definitely not the norm. And it just it felt weird and, and awkward, and I just, I don't want to see that again. And that's why it's like, like you said, it, the whole thing has got to work internally. It's got to work in a vacuum, and it can't be the only source of of providing those elements that are important, like that that persistency and that you know battles affecting one another. That it has to work internally, and then if Evelyn can kind of plug into that and, and help augment it, I think that's the way to go. But that's not going to happen at launch. You got to make sure that shit works from the start and you want to do that internally within the game of Nova. I mean, I think that that's really the key thing is that 
you don't really want the link at launch if there ever is a link because you got to make sure the shit works first in a bubble, you know, in a vacuum. That that's that's the important part because it definitely did not in Dust. I mean, there was there like I said, there's three points of linkage and they were all basically one direction. I mean, it just it did not work well. Well, and and the the, the funny thing was um, on the, <laughs> on the EU side to be able to to capture those buttons, you had to be able to defend yourself, right? If you were going to go in and and attempt to even drop uh, an orbital for your friend, and you were the only dude, you didn't have anybody backing you up, you were you know more than likely going to get raffle stomped by you know a group of six people who actually ran E Fac War and who didn't really care about Dust Fac War, if, if that makes sense. Because those guns that dropped the orbitals took up a gun slot on your ship, and they had specific ammo. You couldn't fire, obviously, that ammo um, at another EVE player. I mean, it wouldn't do anything. So you're, you took away DPS um, from EVE players to actually be able to defend themselves um, while they're waiting for uh, you know that orbital to, to be ready, I guess. Which I thought was really silly um, after I learned that that's how it yeah, and I mean, there's there's the other issues of and this kind of again goes into the one to one gameplay that you've got Dust, which was a game that was intended to be fair in the sense that it's sixteen versus sixteen guys and everyone's got a chance to defend themselves and it's it's a it's a canned lobby battle. How often in Eve do you have fleet fights where everyone is evenly matched with the exact same ships and the same number of guys on each <laughs> side? Never. It never happens. The gameplay is so drastically different between them that in terms of how battles spin up, when they happen, how they happen, who's in them, how they fight, I just I don't see it working. And I think it's a pipe dream to try to sit and force this this one-to-one gameplay. And I, I think that, especially with Dust, it was always like, well, yeah, we've got orbitals, and people are like, that's cool, so what about bigger ships? Like, when are we going to have these big battleship fights? And they're like, oh, we haven't thought of that one yet. That's the kind of shit that worries me, where it's like, you know, we don't really know how it's going to work, or, I mean, it, even in the mechanics of Dust, there's no way you can have a battleship dropping orbitals. This shit would not happen. Like, it would fucking blow apart the entire map. Like, it would it would be dumb. And, and it just, I don't like the one-to-one thing. I think it's it's a it's a pipe dream that there's nothing to gain from it other than really clunky mechanics that are not going to work. It's going to make it feel weird for either side. I'd rather dial into, like I said, what's really important is persistency and larger universe. I think those are the key points that they really need to get into, and I think that is possible with an Eve link. Um, I just want to make sure they can do it well within Nova before they start trying to depend on Eve to provide those things for it. I mean, you can make a game that is very persistent and big universe, open world. Eve Online does it. Eve Online has zero connection to any game right now. And people hail it for those things. What stops Nova from doing the same thing without being connected to Eve? Like, yeah, you can say it's a lobby shooter, and it probably will be lobby based. I think that that an FPS works better that way. I mean, you can look at Planet Side Two and all the issues it has, and that's kind of what you run into when you've got you know big open endless battles. It, it doesn't work really well. I mean, Planet Side Two is not a terribly great success. It has some good moments, but it, it's not very successful and a lot of the complaints come from how those battles play out so a lobby shooter is what you're going to get because it's, it's probably what works best for an fps setting but that doesn't mean that you can't have persistency you can't have meta you can have those things they can exist beyond the battle that's what people want and i don't think you have to grasp onto the bootstraps of eve to make it happen at this point i think the people who were who were 
voicing their opinions, oh, it's good to have an evening, are, are really the people who just want CZP to turn the servers back on for Dust and let us continue to play Dust. And I think that's a little close-minded. I mean, um, to, to base uh, your entire opinion on how good a game is going to be or how good it's going to do or whatever, how successful it's going to be, to solely based off of one link, right, or, you know, in whatever capacity, that really can either make or break the game, um, especially in the in the capacity that I've heard some people um, want the link to exist, um, is really sad, and I think you're kind of... Um, you're, you, you're not giving the developers a chance that they deserve. You're basically saying, literally give us dust again and just put it on PC, which... I think it needs to evolve upon, uh, beyond that. I mean, Dust was a shitty game um, for in certain aspects, in most aspects, but I think it had good things, and I think that we should, you know, maximize, uh, we, we should um, magnify, I guess is a better word, uh, those good aspects and try to minimize the things that made it just a bad game. Um, rather than just, okay, copy-paste on PC. Um, and I think the Eve Link was one of the things that not necessarily made it a bad game, but kind of made it a bad game and kind of made the mode pointless, I guess. I, I don't know. Well, I think they banked a lot off of the cool factor. Yeah, I mean, was, no, they hey, did. look yeah, how cool no, this did. thing is. And like, but your game is shit. Like, but it's yeah. cool. I'm like, yeah, it's really not. Like, I mean, in... in that's where I get confused because people are like, oh, yeah, we need to have it be just like it was before. And I'm like, but it, no. the link before was really shitty. Yeah. Like, there was, yeah. it was very limited, and what they did wasn't done very well. Like, like it's a, I don't think that is exactly what you really, what you actually want. I think you're, you're hung up on the cool factor and you're missing the practicality factor. And I think that, that that's the key point of kind of why I wanted to bring this discussion up is, I think you're perfectly reasonable to want an Eve link. I think saying just copy what Dust did is a horrible mistake. Like it is the Eve link was bad. It was poorly done, it was weak, and there's so many ways you can get the same sort of experience that don't even require the link. But even if you do bring the link in, do it differently. There's there's so many things that they can do with it. And I, I just I don't want to, 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 you know, jump all of the people that are that are crying about it, but it's like, come on, guys! Like, really? Like, let's st- take a step back and actually look at what is really important. What parts of it made it interesting, and get away from, oh, but it's cool. I mean, yes, cool is important, but cool doesn't make the game good. Cool doesn't make the meta engaging. Cool did not make dust really what it is. I mean, there was other practical aspects that were not related to the Eve Link at all that made it cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I don't want to beat the dead horse here, but I, I think that the discussion really does need to shift away from, should there be an Eve link? Yes or no? Because one, it doesn't matter. They've already decided, like, honestly, they told us like four things about Nova and one of them was, it's not going to have an Eve link, which means they're pretty damn sure it's not going to have an Eve link. So complaining is not going to change a core design principle like that. And you can be upset about it and you can be mad at me for saying that, but it's not going to change anything. So that being said, that truth that you have to accept, you really do have to accept it. You really need to focus on finding out what is actually important beyond 
the cool factor, what, what's actually interesting, what's going to make it engaging. And I think that's where the conversation needs to go. And I, I really do encourage the listeners to kind of push it that direction because that's, that's really what's important. I mean, you know, it's hard to set it aside. I mean, trust me when they said that there's going to be no vehicles in, in Nova, I was like, what the f- Are you serious? So but glad. Then I said, so so glad. very but then I, glad. <laughs> but then I, said, I took a step back and I said, yes, the cool factor is gone. I am sad about this. But vehicles were totally fucked up. Like they they did not work right, and they only got worse over time. So yes, I would like to have them in there. They obviously are not planning on doing it. However, what's important is how can we make what they're building for release compatible with later expansions? That's going to do it the right way if they take it that direction. And that's that's what's really critical in my mind is if it happens eventually. Let's make sure we make choices now that make sense to make it happen later, but do it the right way. Don't just copy it all over because a lot of this shit was broken. And the whole point of starting over from scratch is that you don't just redo the same thing you already did. That's that's what is, is the, the lesson of, of the day, you know, is that things are going to change and change can be hard. And you may not get every little you know, feature you want or every big feature you want, but you have to accept that that's what's going to happen and how can we make the best of it. And who knows, if things are done right, if the game is successful, if we have good design choices, maybe we can bring in that part later on. Because a lot of what they were trying to do with Dust was so complicated, the scope was so massive, that you just really couldn't quite get it right. It wasn't thought out well enough. The core foundation was not designed properly and copying it over is not going to cut it copying the evil link is not going to make it a better game it's going to make it clunky like it always was and you can bitch about oh it's just going to be call of duty in space but it's it's you don't know that (laughs) and you know you can you can cite all kinds of crazy different things and make all kinds of conjectures about gunjack and valkyrie and how this is indicative of how they're going to be developing the game and all this other shit you don't know shit about what's going on. None of us do. I don't know. Bait doesn't know. Zell doesn't know. There will be force the fields. There will be force fields. And there, consoles and lifts. Consoles, lifts, and elevators. And elevators. That's all we know. <laughs> so what I'm saying is calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, seriously. Mm-hmm. Let's have a good conversation about what's really actually important and stop getting hung up on these issues that we already know aren't issues because they've already been decided. Um, and that's, and, and I don't, I'm probably going to, like I said, piss off a bunch of people by saying that, but you know, that's, that's the truth of it. So pokey rant over. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we, we bring this one in for a close? I kind of, I, I kind of want to say a couple of final things about this. I think that, and, and maybe I'll expand upon it in a forum post, but, um, I think that there does need to be some kind of coolness factor. I mean, because I mean, that's what brought people into the game, um, right? Was, oh my god, it's got this Eve link or whatever, and it's this persistent shooter and, you know, whatever. Um, so I think that there does need to be some things that, that, you know, legitimately make people go, holy fucking shit, that is cool, right? You know, and Dust tried that with the with the Eve link and the, the combined universes, but, oh shit. Um, but I think... It, it needs to come somehow. I mean, we, we shouldn't throw cool out the window, right? I, I think it's it's important, it's but it's not it, it's not the, the the most important thing. Um, the the most important thing, you know, needs to be, you know, making sure the damn thing works, right? Making sure that when you walk 
in a fucking, you know, room, you don't get stuck on terrain. It's the thing that I, that's what I want out of Nova. I don't want to walk upstairs and get stuck. I don't want to walk up a hill and get stuck. It's the thing that pissed me off most about the entire fucking game was getting stuck on that little shit. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh, yeah, to, to, and I'm going to kind of reiterate what Pokey said there at the end. You know, nobody knows what's going to happen. There's like, you know, the developers know, and then our lovely CPM know, you know, kind of the direction that CCP is going. And shout out to those guys for trying to, you know, do their best, both the CPM and CCP Shanghai, to give us the game that, that we want and that, you know, uh, and that the um, the team over the over at Shanghai, you know, uh, want as well. Um, I do th- I do think that they they care about the game enough to do right by us, and I think that we should trust them to a degree to to give us a good game. Um, nobody knows fuck about shit at this point, so we should just clench and hope it's good. Yeah, and, and to iterate on what you said, Bate, I don't want anyone to think that I that I'm saying cool is not important. Cool is very important because cool makes yep. your game unique and yep. distinctive. But cool doesn't necessarily have to take the same form of what you thought was cool in Dust. I think you could still have aspects that are very cool and interesting in a different form. And and like I, I'll use my example of of you know the orbital satellite interacting with with the map. That's cool, in my opinion. And I, I could be talking to my ass, and people may not care about shit like that. But I think that that is really cool, that I've got 16 guys in one battle, and they're shooting lasers at the other guys in a different battle. Um, I, I think that's cool. And, and that, that's actually nice, because you can have... You know, I obviously come from MAG. I cite MAG constantly. You've got these really, really big battles that are cool. That was MAG's whole thing, is that it was... You got 256 guys, you know, duking it out. But when it really came down to it, it was really mostly 16 versus 16, and maybe 32 versus 32 in one given space. That was the practical element of it. But it was still cool that there was lots of people on the field, even though you would not see three fourths of them in, in any given moment. It was not uncommon. But what's nice about that is that you have that sense of a large battle, the sense that I am affecting what happens in the other parts of the battle, but it's still a small fight. It's still 16 versus 16. So what I do as a player is really, really important because my influence on the battle at hand right now is important. If you've got massive fights of like a hundred guys versus a hundred guys, what you do as an individual doesn't matter anymore. And I think that actually betrays a lot of what makes new Eden, you know, cool is that your decisions matter. Your skill matters. What you do matters. That's, that's what's important. That's cool. And I think having a small battle that affects a small battle, yeah, it may be two fights of 16 v. 16, but in reality, the whole fight is really 32 versus 32. That's cool, that I'm still important within my battle, but what our team does is important in the entire war. I think that's really the cool fact that they can go for, and I think they can really achieve that even in a self-contained environment. So cool is important. It just might take a different form. So keep an open mind about it. I and mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Anyways, guys, I've ranted long enough. Um, <laughs> I've probably pissed off a bunch of people. But um, is there any other closing remarks before we kind of bring this one in for, for the end here? Okay. That being said, we're going to go into shoutouts. Um, I gave Zell lots of time to think of one because I've been rambling for an hour. So, Zell, shoutouts, man. Honestly, I... Shout out to Microsoft for giving me an awesome deal on the Vive. Um, if you guys uh, have games that you want to know how it is, because, um, you know, I'm going to be trying lots of VR games, uh, let me know. 
the thing comes in on Tuesday. Um, obviously, we talk about VR a lot on the show, but we have very little personal hands-on experience with most of what we talk about. We've, I think we've all tried a VR headset, period, but we haven't really you know, dug in. Um, and uh, that's, that's going to be a little different now. So uh, let me know if there's something you want to hear about with, uh, with VR stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. So I want to get some, some firsthand uh, talk about Valkyrie, so that'll be cool. Um, Bate, you're up, man. Um, what do I want to shout out? Oh, uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> that was fun. Um, yeah, good, good food. Um, so shout out to Thanksgiving. Um, what else? Oh, I, um, I didn't get to talk about it last week, uh, because I wasn't here, but, um, I, we changed phone carriers, so I had to get a new phone. Uh, Verizon would not let me take my old one over. So I ended up getting a Pixel, and I have had nothing um, but good things to say about that little phone. Love it to death. Um, so I'm looking forward to being able to try Google's Daydream VR. Uh, on That's it. the Gunjack 2 exclusive. To yes. 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 Nice. Yes. Get a review on that as well. Good to know. All right. Nighthawk, you're up, man. Shoutouts? Uh, I'll shout out to Steam and specifically um, Double Fine Studios for making the dumb games I play and just having an enjoyable experience that everyone can laugh at. All right, fantastic. And uh, my shout out is going to go to a bit of a production studio that called Ember Labs. And what they did is they put together about a four and a half minute um, CGI movie, effectively chronicling the events leading up to uh, the opening of Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. And, you know, this is this is not like what you would expect from a fan-made um, production studio. This is like, you know, Hollywood movie quality CGI. Um, absolutely fantastic. It is called A Terrible Fate. And it's it's done by Ember Labs. You can find it on YouTube. It's it's probably trending, um, but yeah, you, you really got to go check it out. Even if you're not a fan of, of Legend of Zelda or have not played Majora's Mask, I don't know how you couldn't. But if you haven't, um, still go check it out. It is absolutely an amazing work of art, and you know, really fantastic. Um, so yeah, shout out to those guys, and uh, shout out to Nighthawk for coming on the show. Um, good to finally meet uh, Zell's brother. Um, he's, he's always mentioned him, but we've never actually had him on the show. So uh, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, but yeah. As usual, guys, if you uh, have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to hit us up on, uh, you know, on Twitter or on our email. All of our information is available on the website. Um, if you want to be on the show, just feel free to let us know. We're more than happy to bring you on. I know I've got a couple emails sitting in my inbox I need to respond to. Um, I have not forgotten you guys, um, but you know we, we do appreciate feedback and comments. And of course, if you want to want us to talk about a feature on the show or have a specific topic that you want us to discuss, feel free to let us know. We'll be more than happy to do it for you. Uh, but yeah, that being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in for uh, either the recording or the stream. And I hope you all have a great night and uh, be safe out there.